Welcome to Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Please enjoy today's message. All right, praise the Lord. Let's make our confessions as a church. Say it with me. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So we're going to talk about spirit, soul, and body. Last week, we talked about how to be perfect. And the reason I started with that is I wanted to hammer home the truth that the person who is born again by the Spirit of the living God is as perfect and righteous and as holy as he will ever get. You are as perfect and as righteous and holy as God himself. So, with that in mind, I want to share one of the scriptures that we talked about last week that emphasized the word perfect. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 and 23. But we are come unto Mount Zion, and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. Now we see from this scripture that among the residents of heaven are just or righteous men and women whose spirits have been made perfect. Amen? And we drove home that point last week how that Jesus told his disciples when he said, Be ye perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. He said that knowing they couldn't be perfect without his help. He would have to make them perfect through his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension. Thank God he did. Amen. So I'll say it again. You can't just be perfect. You have to be made perfect. Amen. Hallelujah. So let me begin by saying that the revelation of spirit, soul, and body is a foundational understanding that is sorely lacking in the body of Christ today. Not many teachers I hear teach on this subject. They just sort of steer clear of it. And the prevailing way that this is taught is that the spirit and the soul are the same thing. The Bible does not teach that. And if you believe that, you'll be confused when it comes to doctrinal issues like what it means to be born again. What it means to renew your mind to the word of God. What it means when it says you can train your body to discern both good and evil. None of that will make any sense to you if you don't understand you are spirit, soul, and body, and yet you are one. And if you don't understand that, you don't really understand who you are as a human being. So let's understand spirit, soul, and body, and let's begin today. I know some of this is fundamental and a review for a lot of you, but it might be new to some of the people that are here. All right, let me begin by saying that everyone in this room was made a triune being in the image of a triune God. Now, triune is a fancy word. It just means a three-part being. Now, I know this in the Word, and I also know it experientially. So I would like to begin by sharing a testimony, something that happened to me, an encounter that I had back in the winter of 1988 that changed forever the way that I look at spirit, soul, and body. It was December of 1988. I was up late in my study trying to remember the rules of calculus. 
It had been 10 years since I'd been in school, and at the direction of the Lord, I was pursuing a master's degree in mechanical engineering. As I studied, I remember feeling like a blanket or something heavy fall on my head and shoulders. And before I knew it, I just sort of leaned down on the desk. It was a roll-top desk. I put my arms down on the desk, and then I rested my head on my hands, and then I was instantly in the Spirit. I was aware of my surroundings, but I couldn't move. And it wasn't a, a horrifying kind of immobilization. I just couldn't move. It was actually rather peaceful. This blanket, this anointing, whatever you might call it, was on me. And I was aware that I was in the spirit. It was very clear. So I suddenly became aware of an audible voice speaking to me that sounded oddly familiar. The voice kept repeating the same words and phrases over and over and over again. It was as if this voice, whoever the owner of this voice was, was trying to get something over to me, was trying to give me revelation. So I determined that I would tune in and listen carefully to what the voice was saying. And as I listened, I was shocked to realize that it was my own voice speaking to me, yet my lips were not moving. I realized now that it was the voice of my human spirit, and this is what he was saying to me. We must band together if we are to put the flesh under and accomplish the assignments that the Lord has given unto us. We cannot allow the desires of the flesh to dominate us and hinder us from fulfilling our calling in Him. We must hold fast to God's Word and follow the leading of His Spirit if we're to do the things that God has called us to do. That's pretty good advice. Now, at the time of this experience, I had studied spirit, soul, and body and, and thought I had a pretty good handle on it. But this one threw me for a loop. The first question I asked the Lord when I came out of the spirit was, why was I using first person plural? We and us. And I said, Lord, that, that sounds kind of weird to me. You got to show me that in the scripture. I'm not just going to believe that this was an experience given to me by the Spirit of God if I don't have scriptural validation. And one of the very first scriptures that he led me to as I began to dig into the scriptures to find out what had happened to me was Genesis 1.26. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion. Let us. Even God in this council of the Trinity referred to himself as we or let us. I believe if I studied my grammar correctly that that is first person plural. Anybody in here a grammar Nazi? <laughs> Am I correct? All right. Praise God. So that we see here the first indication in scripture that God is composed of more than one part. If he said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. And of course, he turned right around and he made man a triune being, spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Hallelujah. There's more evidence in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, of the three-part God who made three-part man. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now this is verse 4 through 9 here in Deuteronomy 6 is the Hebrew prayer called the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God 
is one Lord. Okay, but if you break it down, there's some interesting facts here. Hear, O Israel, the Lord. That word is the word Jehovah, Yahweh, our God. That word is Elohim, which is plural and really means God's, is one Lord, Jehovah. So if you read it, the writer of Deuteronomy is saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord Jehovah is plural, yet he is one. That's the Trinity in a nutshell. God the Father, God the Word, God the Spirit, we find out later, compose the Trinity, or some people call it the Godhead. Amen. So it should come as no mystery that if God is three parts, if he created you after his image in his likeness, then you're going to be three parts. You are spirit, soul, and body. Amen. Hallelujah. Other scriptural validations. I don't want to put anything out today that's not scriptural. First John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 1.20 says, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even the eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. In other words, I've studied this scripture extensively. And what it means is you can even look to the creation, to the stars, to the heavens, to see a reflection of God Almighty. And I don't have time to go into this a lot, but there are signs in the heavens that point to the Godhead or the Trinity. I'll just give you one because I've already teased you too much. The North Star, 420 light years off of our north axis. It stays stationary in the sky because it's aligned with our north-south rotational axis. Okay, stays in one place. At first glance, even hundreds of years ago, people said that's the North Star. It's one star. But now with the aid of modern technology, we've been able to zoom in a little bit and find out that it's actually three stars. One giant star 1,500 times the size of our sun with two smaller stars orbiting. I submit to you that off the North Pole, 420 light years, is Mount Zion on the sides of the North, the city of the great king. You have a reflection of the Trinity, a star that first glance looks like just one star. But when you study a little deeper, you find out it's actually three stars. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, I had to get some space stuff in there. Just, you know, just had to. You could say that the creation, and I believe even the structure of the universe itself, is a reflection of the nature of the creator God, including the Godhead or the Trinity. And when Jesus took on flesh and became a man, things changed a little bit theologically. John chapter 1 Verse 1 through 3, and then we'll read verse 14. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And then down in verse 14 it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Amen. 
Notice, after God became a man in the form of Jesus, that the expression for the Trinity changed a little bit. There was a new acceptable way to express the Trinity. And Jesus declared in Matthew chapter 28, 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I like the fact that Jesus became one of us and changed the structure of the Trinity. Isn't that cool? Amen. You do know that Jesus has always existed with God throughout eternity in the form of the Word, right? God decided, the council of the Trinity decided, that the Word would have to become a man to be the perfect sacrifice necessary to buy man back from his fallen state. Glory to God. I get excited about this stuff. Y'all getting excited with me? Amen. Hallelujah. With all this in mind, let me repeat what I've already said once before. Everyone in this room was made in the triune image of God. You are three parts. God is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, and yet He is one. We are spirit, soul, and body, and yet we are one whole being. When Chris came in this morning, I didn't say, Here comes Chris, and his spirit's not far behind. Why did I not say it like that? Because all parts of Chris are inside Chris's body right now. Spirit, soul, and body. You know, some people think that the Trinity, the teaching of the Trinity, and I don't know why I'm getting off on this, but there are denominations that think it's polytheism, the worship of many gods. I would say to those people, you don't even understand who who you are. How can you delve into the nature of God if you don't realize you're three parts and yet you are one? You've got a spirit, a soul, and a body, and they are different, and yet you are one. How much of it stretches it to believe that God is like that in a more magnificent way? All right, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. That word means completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, if we fell spirit, soul, and body, God was interested in redeeming us spirit, soul, and body. Amen? He not only wants you to know that you're three parts, but He wants you to know He's interested in redeeming all three parts. He don't want to just get you born again and leave the rest of you to flail in the wind. Amen? So let me break this down. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, completely. And I pray, God, your whole spirit. That word there is the Greek word pneuma. It means breath. It means the breath of God. That part of you that was breathed into you by the eternal God. That is your pneuma. That is your spirit. And then you have your soul, which I believe is that part of you that arises uniquely from the spirit. And it is your mind, your will, your emotions, your personality, what makes you you. And then, of course, your body is the suit that you live in. You know, you've heard me say it before. To live on planet Earth, you have to have an Earth suit. Okay? So you got to have something to live in. Your spirit and soul lives in your body. If your body were to die and you're a believer, Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord, right? So I know I've got three parts because right there in the Bible it says I can leave a part behind. And that body still belongs to me and one day will be redeemed and be made perfect like the rest of me. It's still my body, but I left it behind. And in a sense, when I go to heaven, the Bible says we'll be naked because we're waiting for that new body. We won't be complete again 
until we get our new body and then we will be redeemed and perfect spirit, soul, and body. Whoo, glory. Can't wait for that day. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, so, so you got pneuma, the breath of God, that part of you that came directly from God, and then you got your soul, that part of you that arose out of the, the mystical union of the physical brain and your spirit. I don't understand it, but think about it. Uh, chemical processes in the brain, synapses firing, electrical signals somehow can give rise to abstract thought that is separate from the body. You got a question for God? That's one of my top questions. How does that work, Lord? How does that work? But nevertheless, you have a soul, which is your psyche. The word there in the Greek is, it looks like psyche. It's actually pronounced suke. If I want to be, you know, theologically, homiletically, hermeneutically correct, it is suke. Okay. But it's the same word that we derive our word for psychology, which is the study of the mind. So it's clear that this part that's referred to as the soul is, is the part that houses your mind, your will, your emotions, your intellect, your personality. Spirit pneuma. That part of you that's coming from God, the eternal part of, of God that was deposited on the inside of you and your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions and your body, soma, just means the flesh. You've heard of psychosomatic illnesses where your mind convinces you that you're sick. That's the combination of your soul and your body working together in a negative way. Psychosomatic. We don't want no part of that. We want our spirit to hook up with the, the soul and tell the soul, hey, just like with me, hey, you need to hold fast to the word of God and the spirit of God and find out who you are in Christ and what he bought for you in his death, burial, resurrection and ascension. OK, that's the right hookup right there. I'm getting way ahead of myself. I'm getting ahead of myself here. Hebrews 4:12. more proof that you are three part being. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The spirit of the soul evidently are so closely intertwined. The Bible says it takes the word of God to tell where one ends and the other begins. Okay. But then the spirit and the soul that are closely intertwined live in your body. Joints and marrow are in your body. So clearly in this scripture, you've got spirit, soul and body so what does it mean to be born again when man disobeyed god and fell in the garden it affected every part of his being starting with his spirit genesis 2 16 and 17 and the lord god commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die and i pointed out last week that in the Hebrew, a better or more literal translation, that last part would, would go like this. In the day that you eat of that fruit, in dying, you shall die. I've even heard it said, you shall die, die, you know, as a translation. In other words, a double meaning there. In other words, you will experience two deaths. So when the devil said, you shall not surely die if you take a bite of that fruit, he was telling a half-truth. Because he knew that Adam and Eve would not drop dead physically. But what they didn't know is the minute that they took a bite of that fruit, they died spiritually. And when they died spiritually, they began to die naturally and physically. 
When Adam sinned, his spirit was separated from God and died. His soul was polluted by sin, and his body began to age and decay. He fell from grace, spirit, soul, and body. So when God sent Jesus to redeem mankind, his intention was to reverse that process, beginning with the spirit of man, the core of his being, that part of man that came directly from God. God said, I'm going to fix that first. Then we'll work on the rest. John chapter 3, verse 1 through 10. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Now, I am of the opinion that Nicodemus was a closet follower of Jesus. That's why he came to him by night. He was a Pharisee. He didn't want it known that he was a follower of Jesus. But he also tried to be religious with Jesus. He tried to puff him up. And I like, you know, after he came in and said, nobody can do these miracles unless they're sent from God. And he cuts right to the chase. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, you want to you talk theology? You want to be puffed up? Let's get right to the heart of the matter. I love that about Jesus. Just kind of, you know, just popped his balloon, you know. Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Do you really think he thought that? I don't think he thought that. He was just so taken aback. That's the first thing he could think of to say. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, there's a lot of people that take this to say that baptism is essential for salvation. That's not what this is talking about, okay? And we know that because when he talks about being born of the water and born of the Spirit, he clarifies what he means in the very next verse. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So when he was referring to water birth, he was talking about natural birth. And all the women that have had children know the first thing that happens when you have a baby is your water breaks, amen? So that child is born of water, but he needs to be born of the Spirit of God if he wants to enter into heaven. Hallelujah. Man, this is good stuff. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? I want to go to verse 8, because I, I, I talked about this last week, but this, is, this sounds mystical, but it's really pretty easy to understand. Jesus basically said, Look, you can't see the wind come, and you can't see the wind go. You can't see the wind. All you can see is the effects of the wind. You can see the trees bow. You can see the waves on the water. You can see the smokestack, the smoke going a certain way. You can see the effects of the wind. He said it's the same way with the Spirit. You can't see the Spirit of God go into a man's body when he gets born again and yank out that old dead spirit and put in a brand new spirit. But Jesus is saying it happens nevertheless. And sooner or later... You will see the effects of the wind of God's Spirit in that person's life because they will begin to act differently. 
Man, I felt the anointing on that. Praise God. Glory to God. I remember when I got born again, my entire worldview changed in a matter of weeks. It was just amazing. And I've shared a little bit about that. I don't want to go into that. But everybody here knows what I'm talking about. Notice also, Nicodemus says, how can this be? And Jesus challenged him. He said, you're a master, you're a teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? Jeremiah 17, 1, I love this. The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron and with the point of a diamond. It is graven upon the table of their heart. Now, because I'm an engineer, I noticed that a diamond is the hardest substance in the universe. You can't get any harder than a diamond. So you've got an iron pen with a diamond tip. And notice, God says, the best I can do is scratch my words on the surface of your heart. I cannot penetrate your stony heart. So Ezekiel comes along, chapter 36, verse 26. A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. This is talking about the born-again experience. This is why Jesus said, Nicodemus, you should have known this. It's in your Bible. It's in the law and the prophets. Amen. 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That word there for creature is also translated creation. But if you dig into it, it means a new creation without precedent. Now, I confess to you, I do not understand the mechanics of how God could take out your old spirit and put in a brand new spirit. But the Bible said he did. I don't understand it. I just believe it. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Glory to God. I got to say that again. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In other words, he became what we were. So that we could become what he is. Sin was put upon him. So we could be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. It's important to remember. As a body that Jesus purchased more for us. In his death, burial, resurrection and ascension. Than just the forgiveness of sins. He paved the way. For us to become new creations. In him. Amen. 1 Peter 1.3 in the Amplified. Praised, honored, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah. By his boundless mercy, we have been born again to an ever-living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Again, I say the reason you're righteous, the reason you're born again is because of what he did. It took him being raised from the dead to allow you to be born from the dead born again amen he gave us a new nature that's just like his that's what it means to be born again so now here's the tricky part or the challenging part once you realize who you are in christ that you've been born again you're as righteous and holy as you're ever going to get you've got to get that part of you 
that is righteous and holy to manifest in your soul and your body. And that's what we're going to be talking about in the next couple of weeks. We're going to talk about how can I get what's in me to show up on the outside. Galatians 5.22 says we have all these fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, faith, temperance. You know, I don't have them memorized. But all of those things exist in you because you've been born again. So we've got to work those from the inside out. We got to know there's a man on the inside of us that always wants to pursue God, always wants to read his Bible, always wants to pray, always wants to worship, always wants to walk in love. We just have to have that man show up on the outside. I like the way Brother Hagin used to say it. When you run across somebody that's ornery and hard to get along with, act like you love them because the Bible says you do. You know, you got to act out what's on the inside of you sometimes, you know, and Trish and I, you know, I mentioned this last week. We talk about this all the time, you know, you know, because the prime time for husbands and wives to have spats on the way to church. Isn't that right? Okay, you guys, you guys are blessed. <laughs> many times, I'll put it this way, many times you'll have some of the most fierce feuds on your way to church, and then you've got to close the doors after you get out of the car, and then you've got to put on this righteous and holy exterior. Hey, brother, how you doing? God bless you. You know, good to see you, you know. And, uh, you know, Trish is like, how can you do that? How do you do that? How can you just put on like everything is okay when on the inside there's just turmoil? And I asked the Lord that. I said, you know, does she have a point? He said, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, And, and he said, her assumption and most everybody else's assumption is that the real you is somebody you don't want anybody to meet. Okay, if they knew the real me, they wouldn't like me. Isn't that right? How many ever thought that before? If they saw me at my worst, they would run in terror from me. You know, you know, and the Lord said, you have forgotten who the real you is. What if putting on that man is is the real you, you know? And so he said in a nutshell, It's okay to be a put-on if you put on the new man. The one that's created after God in righteousness and true holiness. Amen? Because the, the more you act like the man on the inside, the more natural it will be to act like the man on the inside. If you do it when you don't feel it, boy, when you do feel it, it'll just be like smooth as glass. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to learn more about Faith Life Fellowship and access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, you can visit our website at gofaithlife.com. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington. We believe in God the Father. 
Yeah. 